Hey world, we are Citywide Church, creating the largest soul-saving effort ever seen right here in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We want to thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast. We would love to know how our ministry has touched your life. So if you have a couple of minutes, please send us an email at amen at citywidechurch.us. Also, if you would like more information about us or about how to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.citywidechurch.us. Thank you again for listening, and as always, be encouraged and stay blessed. We've been on a, on a, on a really wild ride, I feel, with the Holy Spirit. And he's been really just moving and speaking. And the more you let Holy Spirit have his way, he's going to do it. And uh, I know this past Wednesday, if you missed prayer, you missed a lot. And uh, we had over 100 people at prayer really just crying out to God. And there was restoration happening in the house and healing was happening in the house. And, and, and you know, I, I realized that over the course of eight years pastoring and, and, and growing this church, that inevitably we've gathered sometimes people who used to go to other places, other churches, Maybe folks who had left church and left God. It, 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 we, we've come across people in the streets who don't want to come to church because of what the church has done to them. And this is our inspiration behind our new series that we've called Church Hurt. We want to talk about how to get through, get past, and how to avoid being hurt in the church. Can I get an amen? <laughs> my mom, she, she's been bedridden for most of, of my life. I don't think I really remember my mom ever walking. I have maybe one or two memories of her trying to walk. And my mom was bedridden now probably for close to 17, 18 years. And ironically, one time my mom got sick and she had to go to the hospital after being bedridden for close to six years. And how ironic is it that she went to the hospital and within a week, she developed bed sores. When at home, she had been in bed, not being moved for years. And she didn't develop bed sores. As a matter of fact, she went to the hospital and got sicker and had to come home to get better. And sometimes it's like that in church. That, that we don't realize it, but that church can be a hospital for sick people. And we can find hurt at church sometimes more than healing. Because church is a place where... We like to be vulnerable because we're in a community of people we feel are our brothers and our sisters. So what happens when the brother or the sister or the pastor or the leader hurts us? Can we talk about some real stuff these next couple of weeks? I might be the most unpopular pastor in Bridgeport in these next few weeks. But I'm just going to call it like it is. And I'm going to say what it is because I believe that we need a generation of, of people who know how to deal in church and will call out the things that are not of God. Are you with me? You don't expect to go to the hospital or the doctor and get sicker, but sometimes intentionally or unintentionally, we find more pain in community of church than we do healing and fellowship. And so we're going to talk about that these next few weeks. Some church hurt is due to negligent pastoring. And before I go any further, listen, there might be some people who said, Pastor, you hurt me. Pastor Lewis, you're the reason that I'm hurting. Hey, listen, if that's the truth, 
that I am so sorry. I'll be big enough and bold enough to say I am so sorry. It was never my intention. As a matter of fact, I'll apologize on behalf of any pastor or leader who has hurt you. On behalf of the pastoral ministry, I'm so sorry. If you've been hurt in any church, I'll stand in the gap for that pastor and I will tell you, I am sorry because that is not what Christ would want. Shepherds are healers and nurturers, not herders. We're supposed to be people who bring restoration, not destruction. But sometimes in our zeal, we make those mistakes. You know, what does church hurt mean? If I were to give you a real simple definition of church hurt, it's when people representing Jesus don't do a good job. When people who represent Jesus don't do a good job. And let me tell you something, you'd be surprised at things that I've been told that folks have been hearing about pastors. I'll never forget that one night we had a small group at my old apartment in Stratford about maybe three, four years ago. And I had a couple of my, of my good friends there and all of our link was there. But as the link ended, as the small group closed, closed down, a couple of them, maybe about five of them stayed and, and they just chatted. And I probably wanted them to leave because they had loud kids, but they stayed anyways, praise God. But we just hung out all night. It was like we hung out till 11 o'clock. But what stuck with me was that they were telling me stories of the things that had happened to them in church. And what they don't know is that when they left, I cried. At the hurt and the pain that they had received at the hands of men who serve a God that we serve. What do you do when, when, when a pastor tells you, you don't have any purpose in God, you're too old. If you haven't found it by now, you never will. What do you do when a pastor tells you that God won't use you because you're just too dirty? What do you do when a pastor mid-service tells somebody to find the highest pole on the street and hang themselves? What do you do in church when, when the ushers are kicking out an invalid man because he won't stand when someone tells him to? What do you do in church when they, when they call cancer upon you for disobeying God's anointed? It sounds more like witchcraft than Christianity. What are you supposed to do when someone tells you you're just sent by Satan to different churches to damage them? When they tell you you're just a clown in the hands of God. You're nothing that God can use. All things that people have told me have been told to them at church. What do you do when the pastor steals the money from the church and runs away? Or he steals the secretary and runs away. What, what do you do? Because the hurt is real. The hurt is real and people's lives are being affected by it. But you know what causes most church hurt? Is when people are in church without love. There's no way you can be a pastor and not love folks. There's no way you can be a church and not show God's love. And so when you are a church that's not loving towards people, and, and you, may be a, you may be an unloving usher, an unloving greeter. You may be like the, the saddest greeter ever where you don't love anybody. But when we act without love, it hurts people who come to find love. Because they need the Christ that we have. They need the love that we have. When loving like God told us to isn't the root of why we're doing church, then I believe that we begin to hurt people. 
I believe that many ministries get frustrated because they don't see the, the thing they want to see. They don't see the growth they want to see. And so in fear, they try to throw rules and regulations at people. They throw legalism at you. They try and curse you when you leave the church because then they'll say, oh, if you leave this church, God ain't going to be with you. That's an occult. Because we're one body. That's a cult. That's witchcraft. And you have to understand that God is calling the church to go back to the foundation of loving people. And radical love will heal radical hurt. If we look at scripture, in Acts chapter 2, the, the church was birthed. And then not even four chapters later, there's a mess in church. What you don't realize is most of the New Testament was written by Paul, and he wrote it to fix problems in the church. And so you, we come to church oftentimes with unreal expectations of this being a perfect place, when all you find is imperfection, and then we throw it down to the ground. But Paul spent most of his writing correcting bad teaching, correcting bad doctrine, correcting people having sex inside the church, correcting people who were doing all types of gossiping and backbiting. They were talking about Paul, talking about different leaders. They were doing all types of garbage, and that was happening in church. Because church can be messy, very messy. But God, God wants to bring order and healing to his body. Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing and what you're speaking. We know that you will have your way. Lord, if there be open wounds in our heart, we pray today you begin the process of healing, restoration. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, in scripture we read of a story of a man who many scholars believe and many theologians believe, he left his hurt unchecked. And because he left the hurt in his heart unchecked, it resulted in the most catastrophic thing that could possibly happen to his life, and it led to his undoing. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Samuel 17, verse 23, we're going to read one verse, and then I'm going to give you some background on that verse. Amen. 1 Samuel 17, 23. If you don't have your Bible, you could look up at the screen. And it says this, and, and I'm reading from the ESV version. When Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey, he went off home to his own city, he set his house in order, changed, set his house in order, and hanged himself. And he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. And I know off the rip, you were like, oh my God, pastor, that is the most dramatic verse ever that I have read in my life. I am not on my way to hang myself. I, I'm not that, not that hurt, pastor. But we picked up this story at its climactic ending, this dramatic ending. But who, who was this man and why did he feel that killing himself was better than facing life, what life was throwing at him? Why? You see, Ahithophel was a trusted advisor of King David. As a matter of fact, that is what 2 Samuel 16.23 says. It says, now in those days the counsel that Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God. And so all the counsel of Ahithophel esteemed both by David 
and by Absalom. In other words, this guy, Ahithophel, he was like a sage. Like everybody wanted counsel and advice from this man. He was one of David's right-hand men. If you don't know who David is, he was a king in Israel. He was the king. He was the man. And Ahithophel was his right hand. Look to your neighbor and say, right hand. He was known to be a godly man. We see in 2 Samuel 15 too that he's giving sacrifices to God. We know that he's a close friend of David. For David said in Psalms 41 verse 9, my close friend in reference to Ahithophel. But this man faced something that hurt him. He turned his back on David and he joined a rebellion, follow me church, to overthrow David as king with David's son, whose name was Absalom. So Absalom wants to take the throne from his father, and David's right-hand man, Ahithophel, joins alongside of this supplanter, this man who is trying to steal the throne from David. And if he's David's close friend, if he's David's right hand, why would this man, why on God's green earth would he betray his king and his position and his place in order order to try to gain power that he already had. Well, in order to understand that, you have to understand who he is exactly. You see, Ahithophel had a son, somebody say, follow me, and his name was Eliam. And if you're a student of scripture, maybe that might ring a bell. If you're not, maybe it won't. Eliam had a daughter whose name was Bathsheba. And Bathsheba was the woman that David committed adultery with. And David killed your husband. And Ahithophel is the grandfather of Bathsheba. And for nine years, he held this hurt towards David. For nine years, he held this hurt that David had committed on him. And he ended up trying to overthrow David. And when he saw it wouldn't work, he killed himself rather than face the hurt that he had with David and to face the treason he was guilty of. Church, you might say, well, pastor, ain't nobody trying to kill themselves until you realize that some of you would rather commit spiritual suicide than face the hurt that someone's caused your life. You'd rather not go to church because the church hurt you you rather not give hypocrites a chance to do it again because someone hurt you. And you have to understand that this is not God's desire for our lives. How do I find healing? How do I find restoration? How do I do that? First off, we need to be able to know what to do with these offenses, church. Each and every one of us might experience church offenses in different capacities. Some hurt you might get from pastors. Some might be intentional. Some might be unintentional. It doesn't make it any easier to bear even when someone hurts you by accident. Can I get an amen? Doesn't make it any easier to deal with. Much church hurt is really due to a lack of biblical understanding a preaching of a law-type doctrine that sets up rules and regulations, and once you break the rule, you're out of, they shun you from the church, and you're on disciplina, and you can't do anything for eight months to a year, and you got to sit in a certain spot in the church, and they tell people from the pulpit your business, and they say, oh, well, you can't be around that person because such and such a thing has done this and done that. They haven't read Matthew 18 where it says, restore them gently. But we rather throw around rules and regulations at lost people than throwing grace and love. 
But what are we to do with the offenses that we get in church? I believe Hebrews 12, verse 14, it tells us what we should do. Hebrews 12, verse 14, it says, are you ready for this church? It says, strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without, without which no one will see the Lord. And see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. You see, the writer of Hebrews is giving us this command that you have to strive as a follower of Jesus, because there's a lot of followers of Jesus outside the church, they're just not following him right. People who believe but have yet to belong. Because of what the church has done. But the, the, if they would read the Bible, they're telling us that we should strive. We should go against the grain of our hurts. We should stretch past the limits of our pain. And we should strive to be at peace with every person in the body of believers. That we should stretch for it. And it says, it gives us a warning that if we don't pursue peace, if we don't pursue the holiness of God, that we allow the offense of someone else, that they've offended us. We allow this offense to now take root and be seed in our life, and it becomes a root which produces bitterness. Oh, I wish you'd be honest today. This root of bitterness is a word taken from Deuteronomy, and what it means is that the hurt is a seed, and it will produce a fruit in your life that is bitter. For everything planted in you will grow, whether good or bad. And if you allow the hurt that someone planted into you to grow, then you will be bitter in your life. That pastor said you can't be a part of the church, or you can't do anything, you're too old. That seed will grow, and in four or five years, you will have a view of church people that is not godly, that is not good, that is not healthy that says that I don't want to be a part of them because they won't let me be a part of their work. And the, the bitterness grows into every area of your life for every seed has a, rather every deed has a seed and it just multiplies. Every deed, everything someone does to you produces something in your life, whether good, whether bad. And the, the apostle that's writing this, he's saying beware of this bitter root. And the bitter root produces bitter fruit. Here, here's point number one. Offenses concealed lead to bitterness revealed. Offenses concealed lead to bitterness revealed. We get hurt in the church, we hide it. We don't tell anyone. We maybe tell a select few, but we'd rather sow it into our hearts thinking we're doing somebody a favor when in a few months or years, just like a hit the fell, it might manifest in some severe bitterness towards God's children. We need to realize that every deed has a seed in our lives. And when a pastor or a fellow Christian, they have wronged you and they sowed that seed into you. If you choose to let that seed grow in you, if you don't pull it out, you make it grow. If you don't uproot it, you let it grow. The offenses we leave unchecked lead to a bitter distrust of all pastors, a bitter distrust of all Christians, a bitter distrust of all believers. And you want to think the best of people. I, I, I guarantee you, there's people in this room, you want to think the best of people, but you can't because you have bitter roots in you. And every person you look at, every person you see, you judge them through the lens of those who hurt you before. Because the offenses we conceal lead to bitterness revealed. 
You would rather not go to church and not deal with fake Christians because you are hurt by people who are just as broken as you were. Church, you can't conceal hurts, and here's why. Because what you reveal, God heals. What you show God and what you bring to someone, there can be restoration. You have to take the hurt, which is the seed of the enemy that was sown into your life, and you have to expose it and uproot it, allowing God to have the final word. If we conceal the offense, then we double the offense in our own hearts because it will produce a harvest. If we conceal the hurt, we become the sinner, for we should not do that, the Bible says. It says to know to do right and not do it is sin itself. But we rather harbor hurt. Some people like being hurt because they like having excuses. Some people like being offended because they have an excuse for their, somebody say, offense. If you leave offenses concealed, it will lead to bitterness in your life. You won't even know that it's happening, but before you know it, you are willing to leave a church because now you just don't care because the hurt took over. You're willing to abandon ministry because you chose to let people's hurt in your life speak louder than God's purpose in your life. Before you know it, you're willing to sit back and not do much because, well, I'm hurt and no one's paying any attention to my hurt as if people in church have you know, telepathy, and they know what's going on in your life. Maybe you have to reveal the hurt. You have to open your heart, church. Because the hurts that come our way are very real. But until you, until you open your heart, God can't bring healing. Until you open your heart, God won't move in there because he's a gentleman. You'd rather leave God. You'd rather walk away from salvation and faith. You'd rather let the offense go so far that you can't undo the damage in your life. And some of us have been hurt for years. We've been hurt for decades. Offenses left unspoken of is not God's desire for your heart because it is toxic to your soul. Jesus tells us what to do with hurt in Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Notice what Jesus does not say. At no point does he tell you, you should hide your hurt and let it stew for months and years. And then when you can't take it no more, you unleash it and quit on God. Are you hearing me, church? What are we supposed to do with the hurts? We're supposed to go to the person and we're supposed to find reconciliation and healing. We're supposed to at least at a minimum go before the Lord and say, God, I need you. To help me through this because I am hurt. If you have offenses from any Christian brother, any present pastor or leader concealed in your heart, you are in jeopardy of this root of bitterness as the Bible declares it coming into your life. And roots of bitterness, they spread to every area of our hearts and our lives. It affects your relationships. It affects your marriage. It affects your home. It affects everything because you see things the way nobody else sees it. And you can't come into agreement with people. Don't let the hatred and the anger and the hurt in your heart come against you. 
Don't let the enemy set you up against the people that God calls his children. Because then you're on the opposite side of the spectrum. You're not with God at that point. Now you're against God because you're against his children. Well, pastor, I'm hurt. I know, but the first thing you have to do is you have to open your heart and say, I have a hurt in my life. I've been offended by somebody. I've been offended by the words of a preacher. I've been offended by the words of someone who didn't represent Jesus well. You see, because the bitterness, it leads to, it leads to commitment issues. And you're okay visiting a church, but you won't be a part of a community because someone really hurt you. I'll never forget, there's a sister in our church, and I won't say her name, I don't want to embarrass her. But she first came to our church, and she was walking by Bastic High School, and we were over there. And she said that she walked by, and, and she said, I don't want to go into this church, all these fake Christians are the same. But she only said that because she'd been hurt in her last church. They told her she would never find a purpose in God, that she could never be used by God. And she had that hurt and that bitterness. But you know what happened? She walked through our doors. And she loved it. But she said, I ain't coming back. These people are all the same. And she came back the next week. And she's been here for years. And God's moving in her life. And God uses her every single week in this church. Because she was able to open her heart to God and say, God, only you can heal what your child has done. Only you can bring healing to my heart. The second thing you need to do is also my second point, and that's don't judge the many for the offenses of a few. Don't judge the many for the offenses of a few. You see, as you unveil your hurt, you can sometimes have a tendency to put blame on all churches and all Christians and all pastors and all parts of the body for the thing that one person has done. You're willing to overgeneralize your hurt because it satisfies you and it gives you a reason to not have to be a part of a body. Sometimes we go to church and we get hurt so bad that you'll leave church altogether. But when revealing your offenses, don't let the offenses speak for you, you speak for them. What does that mean? It means that you cannot allow the offenses to overgeneralize and be the thing that makes you look at everything with a bad perspective. Ahithophel looked at David based on just the one sin that David had done that we recorded in the Bible as, as a big thing in David's life. The adultery of Bathsheba, the murder of, of her husband Uriah the Hittite. That terrible thing that David did. But Ahithophel looked over everything. He looked over David being the deliverer of God's people when he killed the giant. He looked over David being the worshiping king. He looked over David bringing back the Ark of the Covenant to Israel. He looked over all the things that David had done that were good. And how is it that offenses can make someone who has done everything for you be nothing to you? Understand that. Offenses have a way of making you forget the good that you had in that body of believers. Offenses have a way of making you feel like, like they have never done nothing for you. You will, you will forget about any Christian, no matter how good or how loving they've been to you. You will forget the countless times the church has blessed you, how it helped restoration in your home, in your household, because that one or two moments of hurt in your life. We often, in a moment of offense, we judge the many based on the actions of a few. You forget everything that pastor taught you. You forget everything that pastor mentored you with. 
based on the one hurt in your life, the two hurts in your life. We often <clears throat> forget everything good that happened in the moment of our pain. And we say, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm done. I'm done. Ahithophel did this to David. He forgot all the good that was in David. But offenses have a way of making you magnify someone's hurt and pain and mistakes and minimize all the things they've done for your life. That's why you can get mad at your mother or your father and not talk to them for weeks and months on them, even though they raised you all your life, wiped your butt when you were little, changed your diapers, gave you baths, spoon-fed you when you were a baby, did all these things for you, but they upset you, and then you turn around and you want to cut them off. Offenses have a way of making things look slighted. But you can't let the offenses speak louder than the things that they have done for you. And maybe they haven't done anything for you, but you still can't judge the many based on the actions of a few. You can't call the whole body evil. You can't call the whole body of believers wrong. You can't call every Christian fake because you have a knack for running into fake ones. You, you can't blame the whole church because you keep on picking the wrong ones. Because there's many people who love Jesus, who would treat you with love, who would treat you with respect, who would love on you in your darkest moments. Come on, church, we have to love through this. Well, how do I, well, pastor, how am I supposed to not hold this hurt against the many? You see, church hurt has a way of clouding our hearts and our minds has a way of making you overgeneralize the things that people have done to you. You see, when you have a toothache, you don't go to the doctor and say, my whole body is hurting in my toes. I got this pain. I'm a dentist. I really can't. But I got this pain in my knees, and I got, a, I got a pain in my lower back. My whole body is hurting. No, you address the part of you that is hurting. If you really want healing, you address the area of you. When you go to the hospital and you go to the ER, what is bothering you? Oh, everything. Well, we can't help you if everything is bothering you. Give us, narrow it down. What part of your body? Everywhere. Your head? Yeah. Your feet? Yeah. Everywhere. Now heal me. Is that how it works? No, they were... They will have the same questions for you. The nurse will ask you. The intake lady will ask you. Every single person will ask you the same exact questions. The same exact questions to be able to narrow down where your ailment is at. Are you with me? It's no different when it comes to God. We have to tell God exactly why we are hurting. We have to be specific with it. Why? So that we can bring the love of God into our hearts. Listen to what 1 Peter 4, 8 says. Above all, keep loving one another. Loving one another isn't hard. It's to keep loving one another. Oh, I wish I had an honest church. It's to keep loving one another. That's the hard part. To keep on loving someone who has hurt you. To keep on loving God's people who have hurt you. To keep on loving that pastor from a distance. To keep on loving these different people who have caused pain in your lives. But Peter gives the church a clear command. He says, keep loving one another 
earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. Have you ever wondered why Satan is against you loving God's people? It's because if you loved them right, it would cover hurt. It would cover offenses. It would cover pain. It would cover it. See, the apostle understands, and Peter knows that where love abounds in the fellowship of Christians, many small offenses, even some large ones, they're addressed with, and they're dealt with, and they're forgiven, and they're pushed to the front or to the back when it's done, because love covers sins. But if it can get you so hurt, you stop loving. Get you so isolated, you don't have an opportunity to love. If he takes you out of the fellowship of believers so you don't have to love anybody, he begins to have a victory in your life. You see, where love is lacking, every word of a brother in Christ is viewed with suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding and conflict abounds in a church when there is no love. I wish you would hear me. Proverbs 10 verse 12. Solomon was really smart. Proverbs 10, verse 12, it says this, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all offenses. Pastor, how am I supposed to not judge the many for the few people that have hurt me? You have to love. Because love covers a multitude of offenses. Proverbs 17, 9, he says, whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. If you seek love, it's because you're covering offenses. You're doing the will of God. You see, in the New Testament, Christians are told what to do. But Proverbs is just a general saying of wisdom. And this qualifies for people who aren't followers of Jesus. Solomon says, I have some advice for you. What is that advice? Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But pastor, I am really, really, really hurt. Well, you have to open your heart, reveal the offense, and secondly, when you reveal the offense, pinpoint where it came from, don't generalize it over the whole church. Don't generalize it over all of God's children. Don't do that. Because love can take you places that you can't go by yourself. We can't judge everybody based on the actions of a few. Instead, we have to love in spite of those others' actions. You have to love people in spite of those who have hurt you. Because God's love is the framework of the steps to deliverance. That's God's love. In my house, there's just, when you first walk into this, my building, there's like maybe ten steps. And, and Aria, my oldest, she has like this thing where she doesn't want anybody helping her do anything except put her to bed. Then she needs us, apparently. And if you walk away, no. And she wants like to go up these steps by herself. And you know me being an overcautious dad. Like I won't even let her take the elevator with the boys. But anyways, <laughs> me being an overcautious dad. I'm like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you, Aria. I got it. I got it. I, I got you, baby. But she takes and she grabs onto the railing. And she guides herself up those steps because she has an assurance in the railing. God's love is like a railing. It gives you assurance to forgive. It gives you stability when you're hurting. 
But if you don't have God's love and you operate without his love, the offense just grows. Because hatred is like miracle growth for offenses. Let, let that sink in. Hatred is miracle growth for offenses. It multiplies it. Would you believe this sister came and did this to me? Well, she, because this person did that. I, I know they're in cahoots together. Yeah, hatred makes you dream up things that nobody else is thinking about against you. And because you've been hurt in other churches, because you've been hurt in other places, maybe you've been hurt here. No church is perfect. And if it was, the moment you walked in and got jacked up. Think about that. You know, it's real, the hurt. We can't, we don't want to minimize your hurt. We don't want to minimize the fact that you're pained by other preachers and pastors and maybe even myself. We, we don't want to minimize that. That maybe an usher was so rude that you left the church. Maybe someone was so ungodly that you didn't want to deal with it. We don't want to minimize that. But we want to tell you that love is the way. Just like three, four days ago, I walked into my bedroom and my youngest baby, her name is Myla. And she's all over the house at all odd hours. She's just doing all types of stuff. Stays up till midnight every day. She thinks she's a gangster. She's not. But I walk into my room and she's flat laid face down on the floor by my dresser. And I see her little arm about this long reaching under the dresser. I'm like, yo, Mickey, what you doing? We call her Mickey. I'm like, Mickey, what are you doing? She looks up and she's like, ball. And I get down on my hands and knees and I look under and I see that her arm is reaching to right about here and the ball is all the way over here. And she's straining with all her might. She got half her shoulder under that dresser and she's just, ball. I did what any good father would do and I put the ball further. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I did what any good father would do. I got on my hands and knees and I reached further than she could. Did you get that? Love is God reaching further than you can to bring healing. Love is God reaching further than you possibly could through the actions of your life, opening up for healing. That's what love does. Love reaches past the places you can't grasp. Love reaches past the pain you can't get past. It reaches past our church hurt when we can't even walk into church. It reaches to forgiveness when we don't have the strength. It reaches towards mercy when all you want to do is be angry. It reaches towards healing when all you feel is pain. It reaches towards peace when all you feel is hopelessness. The arms of God's love reaches further through us than you could ever do alone. For love covers a multitude of sins and a multitude of offenses. And the enemy of your soul, he doesn't want you to experience God. God's love. So we had some pastor, some random church person come and hurt you because he didn't want you to experience the true love of God. And he knew your heart was ripe and your soil was ripe to grow hatred, to grow anger, to grow frustration. But come on, how many of you know that love can go further than you can? You see, these last couple of weeks, I've been experiencing just some sickness in my body. I know last week I had, my whole body was in pain for no reason. 
And, and just the other day, I hurt my knee. I'm kind of limping up here. So I'll be all right, though. But you know what I noticed? That when you're going through some pain, you adjust. You adjust your body to, to deal with the pain that you have in this leg. And so this leg has to carry a little more weight for a little while. And last week, I had to adjust the way I was carrying things. I almost got into an accident because I could barely grip my wheel and turn it. And I had to adjust how I was driving. And, and then before I knew it, my shoulder was hurting because I was adjusting for my arms. I was compensating for my, my ankles that were in pain. I was compensating so my knee started hurting because I was compensating. What you don't understand is you're going to cause hurt in some other area of your life due to the fact that you're compensating for the offenses of others. And it causes conflict now in your marriages. It causes conflict with your children, conflict in every area of your life because you have not allowed God to help you. And because the offenses of one or two or three or five, you blame the whole body of Christ. You know what else weakens us? Unforgiveness. Listen to what Colossians 3.12 says. Put on then as God's chosen, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Here's, here's point number three. And this is what you need to do. This is the hardest one. You need to understand that forgiveness is healing to those who are hurting. Forgiveness is healing to those who are hurting. This is tough because many times you want to pretend to forgive. If you've forgiven somebody and when you see them, you still don't want to say hi and it still hurts, you've got to ask God why the forgiveness hasn't taken that place. Because when we forgive, God does a work in us. God brings healing to our hearts. And right now you're saying, well, I don't, I don't want to forgive Pastor Lewis. They really hurt me. I've been really, really, really hurt by other leaders. Maybe you're sitting there saying, you really, really hurt me. Maybe you're saying, you don't understand how much rejection I feel when people don't invite me places. And, and I don't feel like I'm a body of the believers. I've been struggling to even come to God, Pastor, because how I've been hurt in other churches. And how am I supposed to forgive people who have turned their back on me and they're supposed to be shepherds. But all they were were people who hurt me. The flesh in us says, what about me? What about my pain? They told me I was no good. They told the whole church all my business from the pulpit. They shamed me. They gossiped about me right after I left. They kicked me out for not being dressed right. They cursed me, humiliated me in front of people. They told me I wouldn't be used by God. They told me I would never amount to nothing in the kingdom of God. Pastor, this married pastor, he made a sexual advance on me. How do I get past that? How do I get past the fact that these people stole the money I was giving in the offering? Pastor, what do I do to get past this real, real hurt? They told me they would use me for this and for that, but in the end, they never used me. They strung me along in the church just to keep me, but never let me be used in the kingdom of God. They abused me spiritually. They told me this and that, but it was all lies. It was all manipulation just to keep me in spiritual bondage. How do I get past that kind of hurt? I don't want to trust any pastor. I don't want to trust any church. I don't want to trust any leader. They called me a child of Satan. How do I get past that? You have to understand that healing and forgiveness isn't for them, it's for you. 
you have to realize that forgiveness starts a healing process in your life. And to forgive them as Jesus forgave us doesn't show weakness. As a matter of fact, to forgive someone is the strongest thing a Christian can do. It doesn't mean that the offense was okay. It doesn't make the offender right and us wrong. It just means that we won't let the root of bitterness poison our hearts and our minds. It means that we're going to let God be God. You see, that verse in Colossians, it cuts deep because it's talking directly to people in church towards other people who hurt them in church. He says, if you have an offense against your brother, talking about in the church, I'm talking about church hurt. Does this mean that I want you to go and confront your old pastor and tell him, I forgive you in spite of everything you did to me? Does that mean I want you to go to those people in the other churches you've been to that have hurt you, to that mean usher? I got cussed out of church by ushers before. At a baptismal and another, I, I did. Right at the front door. Didn't know I was a pastor. How, how do you deal with that kind of hurt? You have to understand something. Parents, put your earmuffs on, please. Because, you see, when I was a kid, my mom would do crazy stuff. I'm going to have about 10,000 witnesses in the building today right here. But years later, like 15, 16 years later, when you bring those things up to mom, I never did that. Oh, yeah. All the young adults like, mm-hmm. All the older parents like, I don't know what he's talking about. It's just... You can have all four kids in your family testifying on what mommy and daddy did. I never did that. You guys are all lying. You know, it's much like that with other pastors. Many leaders won't admit they're wrong. Many leaders won't be humble and say, if I've hurt you, I apologize. So I think that if you did go on ahead and, and, and went going to people who have hurt you, it might cause another offense when they deny the fact that they've ever hurt you. But in your own heart, you have to release them of that guilt. In your own heart, you have to say, I do forgive you. I mean, good luck trying to get them to admit to what they did to you. Good luck if you want to go that route. But what you've really got to do is go before God and say, God, I want to forgive this person. I want to release this burden. I've been carrying it too long. I want to release this burden from that pastor who broke my heart. I want to release this burden. Well, Pastor, why do we, why do I got to forgive people? I just, just, you know. Because why would God ever bring people to a church full of hurt people? Because as you know, the old adage goes, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. If you want to be used by God, maybe, maybe the reason God hasn't sent a purpose your way so far yet is because there's so much hurt pent up in you at the first person you got your hands on. You might actually hurt them because you've never had a good example of what it is to be a Christian. But God wants to bring healing to your heart and to your mind, and he wants you to reflect Jesus the best that you can. You, see, you might be saying, I don't need to ask forgiveness. I don't need to, they need to ask forgiveness. If they came to you to ask forgiveness, they've earned their forgiveness. But if you just forgive them without them asking, then you've given them grace. If you allow, if you allow God to help you 
you need to give the grace that you've been given. You need to keep a short account and say, God, I need your help because I've been scarred for years. You see, when you're a church hurt, you're just waiting for the next church to hurt you. You're just waiting for the next pastor, the next fake Christian to hurt you. The pastor didn't help you when he needed to. The pastor wasn't there when he needed to be. When you were going through the toughest times in your life, they were nowhere to be found. As a matter of fact, they even shunned you from the church. If you haven't forgiven them, if you haven't in your heart taken that offense and given it to God, you now are becoming the offender because you're holding forgiveness. And our Heavenly Father never held forgiveness from us. Why should we withhold it from someone else? You see, hear me now. Some of us won't reach the places God desires for us to be unless we forgive the ones who have hurt us in church. It's not because we haven't reached a certain level. It's more because you haven't defeated a certain devil. And that's the devil of unforgiveness. You want to strive in your ministry, but you can't do it because there's unforgiveness in your heart. And Jesus said it clear in the parable of the unmerciful servant, what you do, so my heavenly Father will do. You don't got to reach a different level. You have to defeat that devil of unforgiveness. And in your heart, say, God, I, I want to walk through this doorway. Understanding that forgiveness is a doorway to freedom. You see, forgiveness cleans the lenses of our lives. Every now and then I get fingerprints on my glasses and while I'm driving, I just toss them to my wife. I'm like, honey, clean these. And then she's in a great mood, she'll clean them for me. And, and I have a glasses connect and maybe you should get one. And I have all these little sprays to clean my glasses. Shout out to the front row, praise God. And, and I have these little cloths in my car and these little sprays to clean my glasses and I clean them and it clears my lenses. Can I give you a good analogy and then I'll close of what forgiveness is if you drive one of the worst times to run out of out of out of windshield cleaner is during the winter time when it's just snow because while you're driving all the salt from the road gets on your windshield and you could barely see out of it and by the time you get your destination like I don't know how you got there Jesus got you there and you, you, you'll look in your car for a bottle of water. You'll be at 95 throwing water on your windshield, turning on your wipers, hoping that somebody splashes a puddle on you because you can't see anything. And oftentimes when you're hurt, the equivalent of unforgiveness is running out of the ability to clean your view. Running out of the ability to clean what you see and you see cloudy now and you misjudge what's ahead of you because you can't see because you've been hurt and you're harboring that hurt and you don't want to clean it. And you're like, God, I don't want to do it. They got to come to me. I'm going to be proudful. I'm going to be stubborn. It's who I am. No, you got to deal with this hurt. You see, church hurt has the power to keep you in pain, but forgiveness has the power to bring healing Church hurt has the ability to keep you away from people who represent God. But forgiveness makes you a representative of God. Church hurt has the ability to torment you. But forgiveness brings peace to the wounds in your heart. And it will no longer torment you. It will no longer hurt you. Because you won't have a wrong view of God's people.
You will have a wrong view of this Jesus that we serve. Don't allow yourself to be consumed by the hurt given to you by anyone. But be consumed with the love that God has given you. With the forgiveness he's able to dispense through you. Today, you hold the antidote and his forgiveness. Would you stand with me this early afternoon? The hurt you've covered and hidden for so long, you have the, the solution, you have the medication, and it's love and forgiveness. Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed in this sanctuary from the front to the back. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Because my heart's desire, and I know God's desire, is to really see you shift in your life today. From a place of pain to a place of restoration. A place of healing and a place of forgiveness. Maybe you've experienced some of the worst representations of Jesus. Some of the worst types of Christianity some of the worst churches, maybe some of the worst Christians. But today, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He wants to show you His immense love for you. He wants to love on you and to heal your hurts. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Come on, if you know the Holy Spirit is ministering to you about your offenses today, would you lift your hand as high as you can? as a public declaration that, God, I want to move out of this place of pain. Come on, come on. Come on, there's hands going up everywhere. I know the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to me. I know he's dealing with me. Come on, as the prayer team gets in position, I know the Holy Spirit is dealing with me. I know God is speaking to me. I know that he is here with me now. I know it. And I just cannot hold this hurt any longer. I just cannot hold this offense any longer. I've got to let this go. I've got, to, I've got to extend the grace that I've been extended. I've got to extend the grace that I've been given. Come on, every hand down right now. Put your hand down. I'm going to ask you a question the Holy Spirit's really putting on my heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's the question. Are you willing to start forgiveness today? If that's you, shoot your hand up. If that's you, if you're willing to start forgiveness today of the people who have hurt you, of, that has tainted your view of God's people, that has tainted your view of church, if you're willing to give Jesus a real chance in a place that loves you, would you lift your hand as high as you can? Come on, come on, come on. There is hands up all over this sanctuary because the Holy Spirit is beginning to start a process of healing and restoration in so many lives. Lives. Here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a quick prayer. I'm going to pray a quick prayer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, if you have your hand raised, we want to pray with you. We want to love on you. If you have your hand raised, the moment I say amen, I want you to come out of your seat. And I want you to give God a chance as we touch and agree and lay hands on you and pray with you. Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you. And as you saw, there are so many people who've been hurt by the church. God, there's so many here whose offenses are so great. 
that they've harbored and rested in our hearts and lives for years. Father, today would you remove the work of Satan from us? Would you uproot the root of bitterness, God? Would you remove it today? Would in its place you bring love and healing and forgiveness and restoration, my God? Would you help me forgive the person who, who, who condemned my life? Would you help me forgive, God, the person who told me I would be nothing, I would be nobody? Would you help me forgive the one, God, who in my time of need abandoned me, God? Would you help me today? I want to have a right view of your church, God. I want to have a right view of your people, of your leaders, God. I need healing today. In Jesus' name, God, you see them. You know their hearts. Would you touch them right now? In Jesus' name. Come on, the church says amen. Come on, if that's you, come out your seat right now. We want to pray with you. Come down these middle aisles. We want to we want the Holy Spirit to begin to work in your life because we're believing, we're believing that restoration will take place in your life. Don't worry about how long the line is because you've held this hurt long enough. A few more moments won't stop you. You've held this hurt for so long. Let the church of God touch and agree with you that it will be well with your soul because Jesus is working in you. Come on. Come on, worship team. Healing rain is falling down Healing rain is falling down I'm not afraid I'm not afraid We want to thank you again for listening to our podcast. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon. If you would like to share how God may have blessed you through this message, please feel free to share your testimony on our Facebook page at Citywide Church. And while you're there, like our page for daily updates. You can also follow us on Instagram at Citywide Church. Just a reminder, if you would like more information about this ministry or how to support us financially, please visit our website at www.citywidechurch.us. We hope you tune in next week to our podcast. Thank you again. Be encouraged. Stay blessed. Stay blessed.